0: This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Camp Brown, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. As we begin the message this morning, I first had the idea to start by asking the question, are you a good person? which is the title of the sermon today. But in reality, there's another question which must be given uh, even more attention to that. It's probably more basic. This other question is, do you really want to be a good person? Well, before we answer that, let's see what's involved in being a good person. Someone once said, won't somebody give me some good advice on how to be naughty and still to be nice. This sums up the attitude of a great number of people. They do not want to be considered bad, and yet they don't want to make the sacrifice which would make them actually good people. I want to do what I please. I want to have what is known as a good time, some would say. St. Augustine said it perfectly clearly about 1600 years ago when he prayed Lord, make me pure, but not quite yet. Goodness. Think of that word. What is more uninteresting, dull, prosaic than for me to say to you this morning, be good. If I were to ask most teenagers, do you want to be good? I'd probably either get an unthought quick yes, or I might get an unbelieving look, which lets me know that the person is thinking, are you kidding, preacher? If I were to ask a businessman, do you want to be good? I might likewise get an affirmative reply and then an explanation that in today's business world, you just can't be good all the time and succeed in business. We have developed in our society today a confused sense of values, while we have forgotten that character is the keynote to the good life and there's no real happiness apart from true goodness. A young man came to Jesus one day and opened up the conversation by saying, Good Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Before Jesus answered that question, our Lord chided him for using the word good just as a casual greeting without any thought. Today we fall into the same kind of error. We honor without discrimination. So-and-so is a good man, we say. This seems to us to be about the mildest word we can use without committing ourselves. A lady once said to a friend, so-and-so is a great man. He speaks eight languages. Her friend wisely replied, yes, he is a great man, but not because he speaks eight languages. You know, he could be a liar in all eight. Goodness is something that seems to most people to be flat, uninteresting, meaningless. On the other hand, badness has a ring of being spicy, intriguing, interesting. The obvious truth of this statement is brought to light in the fact that the news media find that bad news is always more sought after than good news. The word sin is a word which has taken on rather strange connotations for us. It used to be that this was a word to be avoided, but not so anymore. About the only place I know where the mention of sin is taboo is in an AA meeting. And by the way, I'm not being critical of this organization, Alcoholics Anonymous. Quite the contrary. I'm a strong believer in much good that AA does. Why do they name a perfume my sin. Was it so they would sell less perfume? Oh, no. That carries with it an appeal, an intrigue. I've been told that you can register in a certain hotel in Cincinnati and receive a little booklet listing the city's amusements. It's entitled, Where to Sin in Cincinnati. I'm sure that's not restricted to that one city either. Pick up a copy of your newspaper today and thumb through the theater listings when the theaters were open. Listen to the description of the words that are used to capture the attention and lure the audience. Do these accentuate the quality of goodness? Hardly. (laughs) And so our society has experienced a reversal of what we consider good and bad. When we say goodness, We sometimes get a mental picture of black clothing, quietness, long-faced sobriety, hands held just so, and perhaps a prayer position, a face which frowns at the slightest suggestion of anything looks like fun, and a life that is soft, prissy, sissified, inhibited, self-righteous, and completely dull. Some people even think that the quality of goodness is something which exists best in some remote place like a monastery, where there's no contact with the realities of the world. Now, if this is what the Christian faith produces, then I would say, perhaps along with you, I want nothing to do with that. That's not for me. But in reality, this description is a million miles from what the Bible means when it speaks of goodness. Part of our problem, I think, lies in the fact that some people have distorted the true idea of goodness. And often these are so-called Christian people, sad to say. Charles Templeton says that these people are like Christmas trees, all the ornaments tied on the outside for show, but the tree is dead. There's no real internal beauty. He goes on to say, we've met these people The noble order of moat removers, neighbor judgers, those self appointed guardians of public morality, those everlasting inspectors of warts and carbuncles, with their noses always in other people's business, and with free and unsought advice for everybody else. From all such, dear Lord, deliver us. And to this, you and I can add our hearty amen. So this is the old style hypocrite who seeks to find fault in other people and thereby try to appear better than he actually is. But modern society has also produced a different kind of hypocrite, one who tries to look worse than he or she really is. Let me give you an example of what one minister told. He said, I was dining in a New York City restaurant recently, and I watched a young lady seated across the room from me. She was a beautiful young girl, wholesome in appearance, probably about 18 years old or so, and apparently waiting for someone to join her. She was wearing an extreme off-the-shoulder black gown that seemed almost out of place with her fresh youthfulness. She had ordered a cocktail and was sipping at it doing her best to cover up the frowns that the alcohol brought to her face. During all this time, she was taking obviously inexperienced puffs on a cigarette in what she fondly believed was a sophisticated manner. And the person watching this girl then observed to himself, I declare there is a girl who is doing her dead level best to look worse than she really is. This girl had lost her individual choice. The public had decided for her. She wanted to be like the crowd, like everybody else. But let's go back to the question of goodness as is expressed in our Christian faith. There's still some people who think that the essence of living the true Christian life is in making a vow to be better. These people think that real Christianity has to do with a clenched fist, a set jaw, and a long list of new year's resolutions well if the gospel really is good news as we say it is then there's no good news in telling a person who is at war with himself that all he needs to do is to try harder this will only add to the burdens rather than lift them what was it that brought the crowds to hear the message of jesus was it try harder folks When Nicodemus came to Jesus, did the master just tell him to go on his way and try harder, Nicodemus? What was the message of Jesus in which he gave hope to the hopeless? For him to tell the hopeless people, y'all need to try harder, that wouldn't work. For him to say try harder to that dying thief on the cross would have been the most cruel statement ever given that thief would have turned his pain-contorted face away to die hopelessly. Well, let's get down to the bottom line. How do we go about living the abundant life, the genuinely good life? Surely it is not by tightening our belt, making another resolution to try harder. The problem is that we do not have within us the answer to our problems. We are powerless our lives really are unmanageable, all of us. Even if we did have the answer within ourselves, there'd be no need either for God or for the atoning death of his son, Jesus. How does one receive this good life then? Comes in a very simple, easy way. I say simple, and yet at the same time, it is exacting Your automobile was made to operate on gasoline unless it's a hybrid nowadays. Most likely, uh, the car won't run properly on some other kind of fuel. Your life was created to be lived in a daily relationship with the Lord, and you cannot really live apart from Him. It was St. Augustine who said, Our lives are restless until they find their rest in Thee left to ourselves, we continue to be restless and wayward. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And our own way has led to five major wars in our generation, economic chaos in half of the world, starvation in the midst of surplus, the possibility of total destruction of mankind, and it also has led to a desperate sense of lostness and emptiness. And in our day, there's chaos all about in our nation. People are searching for something, and they're looking sometimes in the wrong place to find the answer. And so we must confess that we need some outside help. The psalmist cried out, our help is in the Lord, and the Lord is at hand. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Those are the words of Jesus. How then do you become a good person? Well, the answer, I believe, is by getting some help. It is by deciding that you will end the struggle for goodness in which you've been engaged for all these many years. And you're going to end that struggle by opening up your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ receiving his wisdom and his strength for your life. I've said at the outset of this sermon that there are several verses of scripture, and I have saved those verses to use as the climax of our message today. These three are from Matthew's gospel chapters 12 and 19. Let's hear these three verses. First, Matthew twelve thirty-five: A good man out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. The second verse is from Matthew 19, verse 17. And this sounds contradictory. There is none good but one, and that is God. And then the third verse, Matthew 19, verse 26, and this brings it together. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The Apostle Paul echoed those same feelings when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In a textile factory, part of the instructions that were posted in a workroom read as follows. If your threads get tangled while you're working, send for the foreman, One of the employees got her threads all tangled up one day, and she tried to untangle them for herself, but it ended up just making them worse. So finally, in desperation, she sent for the foreman. He came to where she was working, looked things over, and he said to her, you've been trying to untangle these threads yourself, haven't you? Yes, I have, she confessed but why didn't you send for me according to your instructions? Asked the foreman. The lady protested, but I did my best. Then the foreman said, let me tell you something. I want you to remember in the future that doing your best means sending for me. And so have you come to the place in your life when you feel that your life is all tangled up And in spite of all that you've tried to do, nothing seems to have helped. Nothing works out right. In fact, sometimes you think things are actually getting worse instead of better. Have you considered that doing your best means calling for the help of another person who knows better than you do how to help you? Trying harder is not the answer. You've done that many times. But this morning, you're ready to come to the Lord and to make that full surrender of yourself to him. He is really the only one who can help you at the point of your greatest need. Would you be willing right now to let him do just that? God is ready if you are. Oh God, forgive us for trying to sort out the tangled mess that our life has often been in. We try to do our best, we say, not realizing that mean, doing our best means letting you have control of our lives. So we pray, Lord, that today every person who feels that need down inside may come to the time of saying, Lord, I want to turn it over to you to let go and to let God. May this be true for each of us, we pray, In the wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior, we ask it. Amen.